Welcome to the Don't Die podcast, sponsored by Aloe Treatment Centers. They're out in Malibu. They're in Silver Lake. It's a treatment center I started with some friends. We want you to get the right treatment, the right program for you, and stop dying. Stop dying is the whole key to it all, Chuck. Oh, wow, we've gone and changed it. Stop dying is the whole key to it all, Chuck. I'll, I can adapt. Not even hey, just just drugs. Stop dying, Chuck. Just don't die. <laughs> just, yeah, no kidding, no. Yeah, that, yeah. Because that, when we started this, most people were dying of drugs. Now most people are dying of COVID. So you're not supposed to you're supposed to postpone death as long as possible. I don't know that that article that uh, that that Mike Mart sent was is that suicides. Uh, oh yeah, if you take uh, all alcohol-related COVID, everything death. else doesn't even come close to what's been doing overdoses in British Columbia, which I thought was. Interesting. Bob, did you used to show through a blue lens at any of the treatment centers? Did you ever see that movie? It's called Through a Blue Lens. No. And it's it's a documentary where in Vancouver, the police, you know, started documenting because they decriminalized drug use. And they started documenting the effect that it had on the society there. And it was really bleak because you had just like, it, it was insanity run amok. And it was older and it was one of those things where you know people wanted drug legalization in america and vancouver british columbia is about as close as you can get to an american sort of society and it just it it was gross what happened so i thought it was odd that that was the city where this is this is going on right where people i wonder if it's still like that people needing addiction services are feeling abandoned and scared during the pandemic and alone and and committing suicide and, and you know there was actually one of our uh, guys on the chat thing that was like going through this whole like i'm gonna kill myself because of this and that and people online were talking him out of it so i'm not going to mention his name but since it's, it's sad times oh that's even worse than you think i was i don't want to get too dark but i saw the video of the protest in wisconsin last night shout out to don't die wisconsin our society is hopeless He's a 17-year-old boy who's on all kinds of social media. He sat in the front row at a Trump rally in, uh, I believe, Des Moines, Iowa, a few months ago. He's very active on social. He's not insane. He's full of hate. There's a difference. He is a young man in America, well-educated, comes from a middle-class background, and he is filled with evil and hate. He will be an inspiration to others. You watch. Oh, I hope you're wrong. We know for a fact that suicides inspire suicides, that school shootings inspire school shooters. And you, somehow this kid running through a, a, don't, a Black Lives Matter thing, shooting kids, that's going to be, a, oh, that's going to be a thing where no one does that ever again. Now, the school shootings were pretty dark. No, it never has been this dark. Uh, it, it won't hold. The center, there's a Joan Didion book called The Center Won't Hold. America's not going to hold. It's not going to. So what's it going to do? There's going to be more of this violence in the streets. I believe it. You've got more guns in America than in all the rest of the world combined. This kid was running down the street with a rifle shooting people. I wonder, I wonder if there's any connection to him in video games where that, that play first shooter. Well, I mean, but, but, but all those contributors, all those contributors don't, don't address 
the, the hatefulness in our society. Our hatefulness is the, is the match that, that may light the gasoline, but there's so much hate and there's hate within the three of us. There's hatred of Trumpers. There's hatred of, of white supremacists. There's, there's so much hate and there's no healing. There's no forgiveness. There's no path forward. I don't see a path forward. And I'll give you, I'm going to give you the final darkness. Trump has a reconnaissance plan that got leaked to the New York Times. That if he loses this time, he's going to hold on to the, to the Republican Party like he has it, like it's his little lap dog, and he's going to run again in 2024. He can run again, and his base is not going to abandon him. You watch, four months of Biden and his, his ratings will be 35% because his own people will turn on him. You have to have a strategy of how to win against this evil. And one of the things that I would say to you, are there good people in the Republican Party? There are. Yes, I, I, I believe there are. We see, see, you're a liberal and you hesitated. There are lots <laughs> of good people. There are lots of good people, including some of my closest friends in the Republican Party. They are scared by the meanness, by the hatred, by the the uh, violence of our of our social media thing i'm telling you there are good republicans they are silenced by the hatred and the evil when are the good people going to step up in the republican party and say enough is enough of this when are the good police officers going to step up and say enough of is enough of this because it can't always be the basketball players and liberals stand up and say enough is enough the good people, yes, I believe there's a majority of good people in this country. It only took a few hundred thousand stormtroopers in Germany to turn the whole country into what it became. So that minority thing doesn't work either. Good people need to stand up. The good people of the left need to stand up to these kids running around burning people's businesses that they've had for 40 years of their life. Joe Biden needs to say, these fucking people, I don't want them in the Democratic Party. Go vote for some fucking Green Party idiot. They're burning people's businesses down that they worked their whole life to achieve. Right. So it's you put, not right. But you, you don't put, see any liberals saying, oh, these kids that burned down the person's building or a business. Oh, they're, they're not good people. They're good people. They're out there protesting. I mean, it's madness right now. Anybody that burns a building down of an innocent person who lives in a neighborhood is wrong and should go to jail. Why is that so hard for liberals to say? It was quick to find out that he was a Trumper at a Black Lives protest, right? So now you got this, oh, the right's infiltrating and causing all the violence. That's not true. I, I know some of these kids up in Portland. They're, they're lefties, they're commies, yep. they're socialists, and they are violent, right? Yeah. And we have to say, like, can't you find a way to, to put your energies into something like registering people to vote so we can get this guy out of here and you can get some politicians or some representatives in your city if they do want to defund the police like Detroit is, and let's do it. But you don't do it by robbing a bunch of iPhones out of a store. This has to stop. Trump is going to get reelected because of it for A, number one. He's going to get reelected. You might as well kiss Wisconsin goodbye. 
I'm sure tonight's going to be as bad as last night. I just don't know what the movement wants. What does the movement want? Just act like I'm act like I I landed here from Mars and I see all this chaos and I and I ask what what do these kids in the streets want? What is, what is their goals? What do they want to achieve? What do they want to change? What's your answer? I think right now they I don't think that that's the goal. I think right now it's releasing all the anger, all the pent-up energy, all the shit that's been going on with COVID, with, with Black Lives Matter has been important for a long freaking time, but no one's been looking at it because I, that guy that got shot seven times, I don't think it would have happened had he been white. I could almost guarantee it, it would not have happened had he been he white. Was white. So is there justifiable anger? Yeah, and that's what they're doing. They're they're letting his off own steam. mother, his own mother, were begging the protesters last night to stop. His right. own mother, and they too late because to the mob mentality is taking effect, and you know it goes to lowest. Okay, so denominator. then when it's the mob men, when it's the when it's the right's mob mentality, how come it's demonized so much by liberals? Why is one mob mentality just totally evil and wrong, but another mentality is just they're blowing off some steam because of COVID? Can't you see? The people, the people that are, are in power or hope to gain power or have dreams of having power are afraid to – they're more afraid of, like – I don't know, upsetting their base than they are of saying the right thing because they're career politicians exactly. and they're looking to be involved. So they're worried about their careers and where they're going to be next. Getting if, they gave, if they gave a shit about the people, the, the, where the things are happening, they'd speak more truthfully. And I think that's been the problem with politics and why I'm not a fan of politics because it's such bullshit after bullshit after bullshit. I watched the DNC. I watched the RNC for uh, just bits and pieces of it just to see what's going on. And they're all full of shit. I think you guys know that. Right. And it, it's just such, it's so sad. And it's teaching kids the same thing. And when you're afraid to say that something that's inherently or intrinsically wrong is wrong, then you, get the fuck out. You don't have any business in that job. But unfortunately, there are all, of us, all those people. All of us share that moral, that moral responsibility, meaning there are, if you're, I just, let's get back to the most common area that we all have. Most of us are parents. And if your children are out there protesting in righteousness against this, this assassination of young black men by the police, bravo, that is the American way. But if they're out, they're out there and they're setting fire to people's businesses, that's wrong. And where did they learn that that's right? And how does that become, oh, they're just blowing off steam? It's not, it's not. If, if, here's the thing, always put the thing in reverse. So I'm a liberal, right? I, right. I look at my liberal brothers and sisters and I say, we need to tighten the shit up and we need to do the right thing and act more accordingly to our, to our basic beliefs, right? Okay. And, and so what I always try to do is if my people act in a way that I see the opposition act and I criticize that, then I have to criticize my people. Do you understand? Yeah. So, so Charlottesville and all these goofball, idiot, fucking, you know, Neanderthals. What's right is right across the board. What's wrong and, is wrong across the board. Right. And now you have this thing that I think last night represented, which is, 
it was it's obvious and i thought this in parts of portland i thought this in parts of los angeles when they were running around uh sunset boulevard i thought there's some trumpers in there causing some of this right and you saw it in milwaukee so now we know for a fact this kid was a trumper they have they have his whole social medias blue lives matter he was in the front row at a trump rally two months ago um now we've got this i can tell you there were there was and we should get wayne kramer wayne kramer lived through 68 in Detroit, in in chicago but there were people that from the fbi that had infiltrated the leftist movement and the in in the park at the 68 democratic convention i don't know that they were shooting and killing people they might give have Wayne been trying call. to stir up trouble. Huh? Uh, give Wayne a call. <laughs> <laughs> we did. I wonder what his take would you. Yeah, let's try to get Wayne Kramer to come on and talk about this stuff, because I believe hopelessness begets suicide, begets drugs, begets death. We are at a hopeless state in our society. I reached that point last night when I saw that video. I am at a hopeless state about this society. I have no hope left. I think if Biden wins, Trump will just go on and stir up his base and there'll be civil war and all this kind of stuff still going on. Biden's never going to be able to satisfy the murdering of young black men because, and I kept saying it under Obama, you know, they still keep killing black kids in the streets all the time. I wonder what Barack Obama's going to do about that. How do you right? think that Trump is going to start a civil war? It already is a civil war. It's just a modern day civil war. It's a digital civil war. It's a spiritual civil war. No, he's going to go and start his own network and just pro proselytize. Hey, you think he's, I think he's holding back right now. Once I know he, he uses, is. I know he is. Once I know he, he can, is. Once he can speak his mind. You know, remember Dr. Gene, whatever his name was, it was on Dr. TV Gene five Scott. hours a day. Yep. Dr. Gene Scott. Trump is going to become Dr. Gene Scott. Well, he's going to sit for, and have like horses, girls riding horses and bikinis and stuff behind him. Do you remember when he used to do that? He's going to be talking and he's going to be. That, that guy I, was I great. I loved him on meth. I, I can't. I can't go there. I'm sure there was people in Berlin in 1938 that couldn't go there either. <laughs> Are they marching down your street in a different way, though? Because it doesn't work like that anymore. You know, war has changed. War has Propaganda changed. has changed. Propaganda News has changed. has changed. Everything, the whole way. That's why we're looking for, we're looking for troops and tanks to come crossing the borders. They're not and that's gonna, not the way it's, it's going to happen. Like that. It's going to be from within. I just don't know exactly what it's going to look like. In hindsight, everybody's going to say we should have seen this coming. But it, it's, you know, I, it's going to be the people that, that spoke out now that this is, you're, you know, it doesn't get any more simple than right is speak right out. and wrong is wrong. And we all have, an, we have these. They're, we they're have a us. moral responsibility to speak but what, what it used to be called power to tr uh, truth to power, truth to our brothers and sisters. That is not acceptable. What happened, what is happening is not acceptable. Burning down the Portland city hall is not acceptable. It's but they're not. angry, Bob. Okay. <laughs> I've been angry. I've been angry since 1983. <laughs> right. I've watched thousands of young black men mostly be murdered by the police since 1983.
long before any of these kids were ever born. Right. And I, but I try to do what I can. I think that we stood up to the LAPD, got Gates out, got a commission in there with Christopher, Christopher, whatever that guy's name was. And I believe the LAPD is not perfect, but they are not the LAPD of the 1980s. They are not. And I think that every little hamlet and every little town needs a commission. They need police reform. They need to be held accountable. They need to remove the ability to sue police officers when they murder somebody. Just that simple law will change everything. So how you get change in this country, I know you don't like to vote and don't like politics and whatever. How things change in this society is by voting and by enacting laws. And if you, or retracting laws, the protection of a police officer that they can't be personally sued for the murder of children in the streets has to be removed. I guarantee you 75% of these problems will clear up within 18 months. I, I don't if know. I, don't, cop, I didn't, I didn't know that you couldn't hold somebody responsible for can't. an unlawful death. For an unlawful death, if it's ruled you unlawful, can't. you can't really. No. You can hold the city responsible for the policeman's action and sue the city, but you can't sue the individual who shot the kid. See, uh, see I don't know anybody that's been in that position, so I don't have firsthand with that, but that just seems wrong. Well, you know, I wrong. knew Rodney King was a friend of mine. He got $6.5 million from the city of Los Angeles. Those police officers, some of them were back on the streets working. They were found innocent. Right. No, they were found not guilty. Not guilty, yeah. That's right. innocent, isn't it? <laughs> no, no. They're innocent and not guilty are different. <laughs> and the reason why on a drug program we're talking about this is I, if I was 30 days sober, I'd be burying my head so far in the sand of heroin right now, I wouldn't be able to come up for air. I believe hopelessness and drug addiction go hand in glove. And the reason why, you know, a lot of people in my generation got into drugs is because we felt angry and hopeless right ronald reagan was president it was so far from what i wanted as a society right the nuclear was, war was around every corner are you kidding? yeah people exaggerate that a lot i i just felt like uh, i remember um the u.s government murdered some nuns in el salvador 1983 i think and i was just so like this is not what in the fuck are we doing as a, as a, as, and so it's this, what happens is your blinders of a, of the child come off and you see how disgusting things really are. Oh, yeah. Right. And, and what happened in El Salvador was just a microcosm. Of what happened in Nicaragua and, and eventually in Panama It's just, and then it, in another generation, which is the 35 year olds. Now it was, you know, Iraq, Iran, um, there was Lebanon, Beirut. It's just, it's just so ugly. And it doesn't have to be. We all, you're talking about good people. We don't want it to be this way. So why is it this way? If, if a majority of people on this planet don't want it to be this way, why is it this way? Right? Why, why is that? Well, you know, that's, I, I believe, I, from what I've been watching, man, people have been played 
and they want to believe what they want to believe. And the, the, the excess of media, the fact that people spend most of their time glued to a screen somewhere, hasn't helped things one bit. Because whatever you want to believe, you can go down any rabbit hole you want. I got a question, man. What, what do you tell your kids? I tell them that all that matters is us and our friends, right? So, so it's very hard. It's starting to really, I can tell you, it's starting to really wear on Elvis. He was crying uh, Sunday night. He hasn't seen his friends in forever. The only friend mm -hmm. he gets to see is somebody who already had COVID and has the antibodies. Because like in my house, my kids are all inundated with this stuff and i tell them that everything's going to be fine i've seen a lot it of is stuff. gonna be fine whoa 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 i can't i can't have this discussion anymore i'm going to take this podcast over by myself um i think what's happening to chuck mike and i is what's happening to all of us is we're all kind of scared we're all kind of confused we're all kind of grasping at straws and 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 I just thought I'd describe how I'm really feeling. Like, I, I feel like, like something got so far off track and all the stuff we've been talking about on Don't Die are signs that something bad is hap happening and something bad is coming. And so I go all the way back to when I discovered the opiate, the prescription drug opiate in 2003. So I was seven years after the Oxycontin original wave of of in america but in 2003 an old friend of mine was in my rehab i tell the story and he was an old heroin addict from the 80s and now he was on his pills and i was like pills the fuck is that because i was this old school junkie that was just like just take pills is so like that's like your grandma but through him and his journey of recovery he's been sober since that day I learned so much about prescription drugs and doctors and the medical profession and, and our society, and it all changed people. I know there's a lot of 30-somethings that listen to this podcast. I can't tell you how different the society was in 1984 compared to 2021. So different. And, and when those main fundamentals went away, we all kind of, it just, the train just got off the tracks and just started heading up in the hills. And we're up in the hills, people. If you don't think so, I'm sorry. You're living in denial. So we're up in the hills. And the question of hope is, how do we get back? How do we go back to a more <clears throat> kind of just, I'm not saying that things were better in 1984. I'm just saying they were fundamentally rooted in truth. There was objective truth, not subjective truth, which is, oh, I see it this way. The, those facts aren't true. These, these are the real facts. And, and so we started to drift away from science, and we started to drift away from respect of one another. And I always tell this story whenever I talk at colleges, my dad was what was called in the 50s and 60s a blue-collar Democrat, right? Because he grew up in, in the Depression, and he believed in FDR's New Deal. And, and he, in my dad's mind, the New Deal is what led to the abundance of the 50s, of post-war America. And for had it not that, we all would have died, and, and it would have been a mess, and probably led to 
other kinds of forms of government. And so my dad really believed in FDR, so he was a blue-collar Democrat. He became a businessman with the success of the post-war era, so he wasn't really blue-collar. He wasn't carrying a lunch pail and going to work anymore, but he was always kind of a blue-collar Democrat. And his younger brothers, he was the oldest, they kind of grew up, you know, Tim, I think, I think the difference between my youngest uncle and my dad is like 17 years. That's how those generations were back then. So, so my poor grandma, Lori, oh my God, I think she had 11 kids from 1918 to, to 1935. She was having kids from 1918 to 1935. Holy fuck. I can't even handle two in 2000, the 2010s. So, so anyways, my dad was a blue-collar Democrat, but most of his younger brothers were into Eisenhower and Republicans, and then Barry Goldwater comes in 1964. And it's important to know your history. It's important. You can't just be living in the now constantly and saying, oh, well, you know, it'll all, it's always been like this. No, it always hasn't been like this. And so... How did we get here? So my, all my uncles were like Republicans, and my dad was still a Democrat. And it got harder and harder for my dad to defend the Democrats because of Vietnam and because of the, the changes and chaos that were going on in the mid-60s. And, and, you know, and then you have my sisters who are older than me growing up as hippies and they call my dad Archie Bunker and a racist and all this kind of stuff. So there's all this chaos in his own house, chaos with his brothers. And in that chaos that, that, um, that's very similar to the chaos of now, not as bad, but in that chaos came Nixon. And Nixon was going to be the law and order president, and he was going to stop the rioting. Sound familiar, people? He was so. That, this is all this. And what was in the middle of that? Drugs. The the onset of recreational LSD use, marijuana use, and then by the early seventies, when the Vietnam vets come back, heroin use in the white suburbs and. And, you know, John Prine described it so well in the song Sam Stone. So this is all happening in this, in this kind of haphazard way. And my dad switched parties. He became what's called a Reagan Democrat, right? So he could no longer support McGovern or the Vietnam War, defend the Vietnam War, and he could no longer um, kind of support riots in the streets and naked people having sex up in Talkwitz Falls near our house in Palm Springs. So he kind of switches parties. And you see a lot of that going on right now. You saw that in the Trump victory. You saw people that voted for Barack Obama, two terms, two terms. They went into a polling booth and voted for Barack Obama. And then in 2016, they voted for Donald Trump. This reminds me of my dad. My dad was a Democrat from the time he knew what politics was because of Franklin Delano Roosevelt and the New Deal. And all of a sudden, the, he, got, he felt like he, could, he didn't belong in the Democratic Party, and he becomes what's called a Reagan Democrat. So if you've ever heard Reagan Democrat, that's my dad. And, 
I think right now you have this chaos going on and people trying to choose what they want and everybody's so fractured and pulling and violence and, and it gets very discombobulating. And then what's been hard for me and I think Chuck and Mike in the podcast is to stay focused on what we're good at. In the middle of chaos, can you stay focused on what we're good at? And in this podcast, I said something that shocked me. I said that I, I couldn't, with all good conscience, prioritize sobriety right now. That stopped me in my tracks. Like that, that that's not the way I want to be. So prior, prioritize what's really important. It's really important that people not die of drugs and not feel alone and feel isolated and feel like they don't have uh, you know, a shoulder to cry on, uh, a friend to text back to, and, uh, and a community to be a part of. Because that's all that's ever mattered to me. Politics aside, chaos aside, we have our own world, the sober world, the dopey nation, the don't die movement. We have our own world. And we need to strengthen our own world. And, and just... I don't know, but I can tell you that I'm, I'm not scared. Uh, I'm, just, I'm just sad. Scared, see, it's good to identify your feelings. Chuck and I are therapists. It's good to identify them and to be self-aware. I'm not angry. I'm not scared. I'm sad. And a deep sadness, a sadness for all of us, for that kid who did the shooting and the kids who got shot. A sadness for, for people so misled they think vaccines cause autism. People so misled they think that racism is a solution. It's, it's some frightening times, but I want to get back to what's important. We're sober. We've, we've left hell and we're heading towards heaven and we have to stick together. And I'm sorry that I, I'm, I'm not sorry I said it because when I said it, it was true. I'm sorry that I let all this chaos pervert me from what I believe in. And what I believe in, you know, I don't have say over what people think about vaccines, really. I don't have say over pe- what people think about racism. I don't have say over what people think about much. But I do have say that sobriety is important. It's the most precious thing I have. It's the reason why my kids have grown up in, in a kind of safe world. And it's the reason why I feel so purposeful in connection to other sober people and people that aren't sober that want to be sober and people that were sober that aren't sober. This is my world. This is, this is Patrick and Kevin's world in Milwaukee. This is Mike and, and Chuck's world in Huntington Beach and Long Beach. This is all my friends' world. This is all your world. And we have to never forget how important it is. So, you know, I just want to take the narrative back because I do think we're all scared and we're not scared. We're all just frustrated and we're all just reacting and we're all just feeling, um, feeling disconnected and, and feeling like the society is out of control, right? It's, it, you know, how, where does it go from here? I don't know. But I know that what's been important to me for 25 years and what's important to all my friends is to stay sober and help another alcoholic to achieve sobriety. 
and yeah, I can be critical of AA and I can be critical of rehab and I can, I can have my opinions about things. I don't want to harm anybody with them, but they are true. I wouldn't say them if I didn't believe them. So, so I want, you know, I want don't die nation. I want dopey nation. I want us all to hold hands and like get through this. And I guess what I've been saying on the last podcast and the beginning of this one is everybody's naive as to how long this is going to last. That's all. And I, I, maybe I'm arrogant. Maybe I'm just not kind enough with how I introduce those ideas, but I really want people to know this isn't going to get solved by October. It's not going to get solved on November 3rd. It's not going to get solved on January 1st. It's not going to get solved on eight, by April Fool's Day. There's something wrong with us. There's something terribly wrong with our society. I hope that us sober people can kind of try to be kinder, try to be more compassionate, try to be more tolerant. I try to. It's really hard. It's really hard when kids are shooting each other in the streets to be tolerant and understanding and loving and thoughtful and, and stand upright and be strong. It's really hard. It's so easy to demonize one side or demonize the other or demonize both of them and check out and bury my head in the sand. But it's going on around us. And the reason why I think Wisconsin struck me so profoundly is I've been to Milwaukee and I've been to Wisconsin. Like my dad was born in Rice Lake, Wisconsin, which isn't far from where this horrible tragedies have happened. And, and I love the Don't Die Wisconsin guys and all their friends and all the harm reduction people and all the people I met on my journeys there and all the people that I met at the college that night when I talked there and the governor who, who I spoke with and, and, and the mayor of Milwaukee. Like, these are good people. These are solid people. I was envious of how loving and thoughtful and community-based they are. And now this in their, right in their, in their backyard, right in their state. And it just really affected me. I love Wisconsin. I mean, part of me wants to move to Wisconsin and the don't die guys know there's all these, I love Frank Lloyd Wright. And there's this Frank Lloyd Wright neighborhood in the South of Milwaukee. And I thought, yeah, I could just move to Milwaukee and live in a Frank Lloyd, Frank Lloyd Wright house and, have my kids walk to school or ride their bikes, just like this perfect America. There is no perfect America. There's just us. Right? All right, so I'm going to zoom back and see what those guys are talking about. <laughs> if anybody knows me, the last thing on earth I want is, my, is to harm somebody else, harm one of my friend's kids or one of my friend's families. So I'm going to do everything I can. I get tested once a week. I stay clear of everything, right? I'm mm-hmm. at home 90% of the time. But I want my kids to be around other kids. Right. We had Sydney's birthday party. It was so weird. It was like a bunch of kids came over. It was nice. They had masks on. They had to be six feet apart. When you put like... 10 four-year-olds six feet apart you, like it's way yeah. apart they're way apart because they're, they're like so little even, it looks yeah, sad they're, so little. they're little tiny chairs those little chairs like and then we had mal from the descendants you know that disney show she came and she had to be six feet away 
luckily, uh, she was, I guess she was, she was more than six feet away. And then she took her mask off to sing. And, um, <laughs> but, but it was just so weird, a COVID kid, four-year-old kid's birthday party. And then Sydney said, we said, well, did you like seeing all your friends from preschool? And she was like, I didn't really see them. Their faces were covered. Uh-huh. And then I said, well, you know who, who they all are. And she did was you like, say you yeah. ungrateful little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then you know what she said? I liked it when it was just us, meaning Elvis, Sydney, me, my wife, my wife's parents and her cousin that we had a family birthday too. And maybe we're going to get back to that core family thing. Maybe you know, that's the only way. That's where, that's where Amy is uh, tonight. This morning they left bug and Amy went with her mom and her dad to go visit her brother in Nevada, just to break it up and to see some people who are also, you know, they're, they're careful about what they do. It doesn't mean they're not going to be at risk, but, to get out of the house since we don't have air conditioning and we have this heat wave going on. So she's going with them and they're, they're, they're on, they're on a road trip. So I'm, I'm here in a very quiet, very sad house. I miss my house noises. And it's going to be 90 degrees tomorrow and you have no air conditioning. Not in Huntington beach. It's not. Yes, it is. Uh, it's going to be 90 and 90 degrees in long beach. Why wouldn't it be any different in Huntington? Well, we're only five miles from the water. It stays plenty. Because they take the temperature for Long Beach very far inland. Oh, I see. Yeah. So it's always a few degrees warmer. Yeah, it's like Long the most it got was like 82, I think, in Malibu. It was like that was the hottest. It's Yeah, but all the houses in Malibu, even the big, nice houses, don't have air conditioning. Well, no, I one think ever thought, even, no one ever thought <laughs> you had to have air conditioning. What the fuck was going on Sunday? We went to the beach. It was scary as fuck. The waves were 10 feet tall, crashing on the beach, suck you out. It, it was fantastic, was wasn't that? it? That was great. No, it was bad. That was, Sydney that was got Genevieve. down and pulled out. Like, what was it? It was Genevieve. Genevieve, there was a storm down in Mexico that was bringing up all the warm water and it's big waves. big south swell, it's called. It's a big yeah, south because, swell. Yeah, be, because it was, and that's why the water was so warm. It was 76 degrees at Bolsa Chica. It was beautiful. Me and the kids but, out in the water. Chuck, you know what? We missed each other by about, we were probably at the beach at Bolsa Chica at the same exact time, just probably a couple of lifeguard stations off. Ah, uh, yeah. So I'm, I was there from nine to like two on Sunday and it was, I, I haven't spent that much yeah, time in the water, out, yeah, but I, I got that beat up. Time. The, the nine, beat to like, up. nine to like one in the afternoon. It was scary as hell because Sydney just runs out into the water and the water <laughs> yeah. was crashing on her and then she's getting pulled out and I'd have her run in, grab her. Like it yeah, was you got to be careful during that when it's high tide be, and there's a big swell. If yeah, it's low it was tide, high tide. It was yeah. high tide. Yeah, you don't want to. That's a, that's a dangerous time. It sure did. It was coming in. That you're you're exactly correct. I know because it was it was coming in. It started coming in around nine. No, so that's when the bigger waves out. are coming it pulls in. Yeah, you out. Yeah, you got to be you got to be smart. But it, it is a dangerous thing. But I've also had some of the best times out there doing that with my dad, you know, with I my friends. A great, I learned a great lesson, uh, two great lessons at Bolsa Chica uh, Beach. 
So in the old days, you could, I had a Baja bug and you could drive right out on the ocean at night. No one knew if they, because, you know, from PCH, you get down by the water. You can't really see that a car is driving down along the ocean. Yeah, sure. yeah, <laughs> it was right. in 78, probably. So I'm driving my Baja bug and I like to do that thing where you go out in the water a little bit and it shoots the water out. I went <laughs> yeah. a little too far. <laughs> car started floating. It was Good fucked up. It was like I know three the story. Feet of, <laughs> three know. feet of water in my Baja bug, trying to pull it because you know it had those, you know, the welded thing on the front. The roll cage bumpers. It, yep. Trying, yeah, the roll, trying to pull it, pull my car out of the water, <laughs> and it got stuck. <laughs> it got stuck, <laughs> but it didn't get towed out. It just kind of sat there. And so then <laughs> there was people bonfiring, and I said, "Will you help me?" And they said, "No." <laughs> all right because i was driving illegally on the beach right putting lives at risk and yeah. then the one guy said yeah tide's gonna go out you'll be all right in like three hours so i just sat there <laughs> until, nice <laughs> until the water kind of receded and i had the high tailpipe so it didn't affect the engine at all so I nice. started that fucker up, drove right pipe. out onto PCH, straight <laughs> from the ocean. The high tail pipe, right? the one that goes straight up in the back. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like a sissy are- and, then, and then that's the only place I ever tried to surf. I've never surfed. One time I went out with some friends from high school. I got, you know, and I'm, you know, what it's like when a person's surfing for the first time. I'd get up on my knees and then I'd get wobbly and then I'd fall down. A couple of times I got up on my feet. Finally, after about an hour, I'm getting up on my feet, but the nose is going down, you know, you know, the whole deal. Mm-hmm. So then finally, the first time I'm really getting the hang of surfing, I'm on the back of the board, toe, the head is up, is what you call the, the nose is up. I'm on top of like a four foot wave. And I don't know what to do. I don't know, like, oh, turn to the left so that you ride it. I just (laughs) went, it went up, and I was up on top of a four-foot wave, and I was so excited, like, dude, this is rad. And then, of course, the wave fell, and then the nose fell, and then I went straight into the water. You pearled. I flipped over the board. The board hit, you know, probably dirt. It cracked me (laughs) in the side of the head as I was falling over, and it was flipping with the wave. Knocked me unconscious. Lifeguard had to pull me out. Really? Uh, only time I ever surfed. I, I, you oh, should man. go again. <laughs> no, 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 no. But let me have my, my camera there. <laughs> I want. Hey, Bob, you're what we call a, or commonly known as a kook. You, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that is the colloquialism. Is it really a kook? Yes, yeah. you, sir, are uh, a kook. Look at the kook. Well, but why doesn't somebody tell Like, I didn't know, because I think everybody that was out trying to show me how to surf thought, well, he's never going to get up on the wave, so we don't have to watch him, right? So, you know, like, time after time, I get up on my knees, I go wobbly, oh, fall over the wave, takes off without me. I finally get on top of a wave. Nobody tells me, like, lean so that you go with the wave. I just right. wait. I'm on top of the wave, and then it crashes, and I just go straight nosedive in and get cracked in the head. So if you take your kids out, you're not supposed to start them on the big stuff, okay? You go low no, tide. No. You take low tide. The wave's already broken. It's rolling in. It's a little foamy thing. I'm talking about me. Get... I'm talking about I know, me. But, right. but, you know, that's what you should 
have been doing is right. That's the, how you start riding the foam. That's how you start. You start in the whitewash, hopefully in a place where it can reform. Dude, I had puka shells. I had a I had a baja bug and puka shells. <laughs> puka I don't shells. take the small route. <laughs> Wait, please, please tell me you had a lightning bolt necklace too. I know. You know what I had? I had I had the Angel logo, the band Angel oh, over the oh, over the window. Here we go with Angel again. The front shield of my car, the front windshield of my car, the Angel logo. And then if it rolled over, it's the same angel upside down or right side up yeah. if, if right? anybody knows angel and could get them together to do oh, a show we with, need uh, no, we need to just please, have them on please, the show can we please have that happen? Dude, i used to blast angel rush fog hat smile hey, would, can we just talk about would, how great fog hat was for one second so when you guys say bolsa chica beach i remember fog hat van halen one fucking rock and smoking weed at the jack-in-the-box hitting my head on the wave getting my baja bug stuck in the water let's say good night on a positive note you know what what the positive of this i you know and and this kind of a uh sad positive i you know i don't know i'm i'm 59 years old and i have liver problems pretty bad and i was told if i'm gonna live past 72 i'm gonna probably need a new liver so i don't know how long i'm gonna live honestly and I'm, that's not for pity or it's just a fucking fact and i have a four-year-old daughter okay so you do the numbers i don't know that i'm gonna see her get married i don't know that i'm gonna see her graduate from college that's a choice i made to have her late in life right this has been a blessing I've been with her 24 hours a day, seven days a week for five months. That is longer than most fathers are with their daughters in a lifetime. Yeah. Over a 20 oh, year yeah. period of time. So there is positives to this. I sit and watch TV with her. We play games. We go outside. We feed the cat. So there's, there is positives. Me and you are not going to see our daughters get married. <laughs> <laughs> We're in the later part of our lives, man. We had younger wives. <laughs> Good night, fellas. Good night, everybody. I love you guys. See you later. See ya. Uh... <laughs>